the hope and faith in the medical system, hope in my relationship with him, knowing that I'm not going through this alone. Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, a practicing physician and co-host of the podcast, where we talk about physicians' lives outside of work, ways to crush burnout, and stories of achieving success on personal terms based on what matters most to each of us as individuals. That's what we're here to talk about, physicians and their real lives, and we thank you for joining us. My question for you, our listeners today, is what is your Achilles heel? In what area of your life are you the most vulnerable? Today, I'm bringing back Dr. George and Vanessa Nam. You can hear previous conversations with Dr. George, also known as Dr. Jeep, and Vanessa Nam on episodes 145 and 186. We'll link to those in the show notes. Today, we're talking about vulnerability and chronic illness in physicians and their families. Dr. Jeep and Vanessa, welcome back to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Jen. Um, looking forward to a great conversation. Me too. I really appreciate you coming back to talk about this because I've read that 44% of U.S. adults report having a chronically ill adult family member or friend and helping them manage their health. And as physicians, we obviously are just as vulnerable as anyone else in the population. And so I think this applies to a lot of us. And I'm, I'm very curious to hear your story and to hear perhaps some insights that you've gained that you can share with us. So I wonder if you guys could start by just telling me, I know you guys have been together a long time. So tell me about your story. What, what is it that has been your experience with chronic illness? Yeah, I have a chronic illness and it is fibromyalgia. And unfortunately, I contracted fibromyalgia from having rheumatic fever at the age of 11. And about six months after having rheumatic fever, I had widespread joint muscle aches. And for years, no one could diagnose what my problem was. When the weather changed, I had pain, you know, thinking it was arthritis would go for unbelievable medical workups and nobody could figure out what I had. Of course, fibromyalgia at that time was not a diagnosis readily uh, known. And so fast forward many years, I met Jeep, he was in residency and um, he was working with a rheumatologist uh, one day and he came home and he said, I know what you have and you have fibromyalgia. And I said, well, what do I do? And he goes, what you've always been doing, you know, when you're in pain, you take Advil, Aleve, whatever, and um, just keep doing what you're doing. Unfortunately, I got pregnant. And after the pregnancy, it just exacerbated the fibromyalgia. And um, I'll let Jeep talk about his experience with me in that. He was, um, it was really frustrating. Um, it wasn't long after we started dating a couple of years prior that um, uh, I knew that uh, Vanessa was suffering from a, you know, from a problem. And I didn't know what it was. You know, the biggest symptoms besides what she was talking about, 
it was really incapacitating fatigue. You know, I recommended um, several things uh, as far as blood work and things to try. Nothing really worked. And as she said, I happened to be doing a rheumatology rotation. Very, just a really good, uh, really, really good guy. Excellent teacher. And he happened to have a patient that came in one day that was basically um, explaining her symptoms to a T. And I came to know that this was an issue that happened usually as a result of trauma, uh, physical, emotional, psychological, and certainly Vanessa had dealt with all those things. And so it was a matter after that, um, one, how to get her to the proper people and how to get her proper treatment. And then um, as, as far as what it was going to do it to us, we had been dealing with it and it became a little bit more of, a, of an adjustment when we got married, especially when we started having kids. You know, it. I go to the office. It can be, you know, as you you know, Jen, it's a, it can be a very daunting um, task being at work. And so there would be days that I would come home. I'd walk through the door. I would know whether Vanessa was having a good day or a bad day. And usually, um, if it was a good day, she would be sitting up on the couch. And I would see her head above the back, you know, above the, the back of the couch. If I didn't see that, I knew she was laying down in pain, um, fatigue, usually emotional. And um, mm -hmm. some days, it, I mean, it was difficult. Um, it precluded her from doing things that I knew that she wanted to do, but couldn't do, you know, like uh, 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 making dinner, doing things around the house, doing some other things that I knew she enjoyed, but couldn't do. Now, you can look at it as um, you can make things worse by saying, you know, I asked you to do these things. You didn't do them and basically add insult into injury and pile on. Well, I, I knew enough about the, um, the disease um, that she didn't choose to have this. This isn't something that she wanted to have. She wasn't looking for sympathy. She truly was significantly affected by this. And for me not to be supportive of her would have just exacerbated and really made the whole situation worse. And, and I'd like to add that um, having the experiences of, of dealing with the symptoms, I was beating myself up enough. Therefore, the, the best thing for a spouse to do is, is to be supportive and know that your family members already beating themselves up for not, um, not having the type of quality of life that they would like to have. And when someone isn't supported, that's just like another beat up, right? It's just another person beating on you besides yourself. And, um, it took a really long time for me to accept that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And for a really long time, there was a stigma attached to it as well. Like, God forbid that I, that I admit that I have this because some folks through that time period thought, well, that's just a psychological illness. And, and, you know, other docs were on the fence with it. 
So I had to come to terms with what I had and accepting it, but I would not have been able to do that without him. Absolutely would not have been able to do that. It, 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 Jen, it's kind of looked at, um, and maybe not as much anymore, but it was uh, a type of a thing that you, it was looked at like a, I call a garbage bag diagnosis, mean, meaning that you've, uh, you've ruled out other rheumatological issues, you've ruled out a lot of other things, and you just say, okay, well, this is it. For a long time, there wasn't real good diagnostic criteria in figuring out, and I dealt a lot with dealing with peers and specialists that I dealt with who really didn't think that it was a real diagnosis when I knew, in fact, that it was. And in fact, um, when Vanessa was, you know, when it was diagnosed and she was getting on a good uh, treatment plan, I I started um, seeing a lot of these patients that were falling through the cracks, felt like they had nowhere else to go. Nobody believed them. They all thought they were, you know, People thought they were faking. They weren't getting any family support. Mm-hmm. And and so and Vanessa herself, to her credit, uh, oftentimes would talk to these patients and families as well and say, listen, this is this is something that's real. It's not it's not something that's made up. And your um, your family member may really not know or understand what's going on, but it is legitimate. There there is. This is a problem that's been going on for a while, but really was never given the proper uh, amount of research um, or uh, writing in the literature. But it's been there for a long time. And, you know, it used to be known as fibrositis, among other diagnoses. You bring up a number of points that I think are really worth delving into. And we could certainly create a whole podcast just about this topic. And I'm sure there are podcasts out there because it it is such a huge area that needs further discussion. Fibromyalgia and other pains, chronic pain syndromes. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that you bring up that I would love to hear your insights on is as a physician, helping a family member to manage the healthcare system. Because as you say, you had some roadblocks just in getting a diagnosis, just in getting people who could recognize the seriousness of the problem and give you some actual help to get better. And so how, first of all, did it, did it help you being a physician to navigate the system? Or did you find that as a physician, you still had as many roadblocks as anyone else would have had? That's one question. And of course, it also sounds like you've taken it upon yourself to learn more about this illness specifically and begin to see patients because you do have that insight. And so it has actually impacted how you practice. So I would love to hear you address both of both of those questions. How has it impacted your management of the system and how has it impacted your practice? Well, I would say, um, as far as managing the system, I, I've always been about relationships with other physicians, and I'm and I've always been, as Vanessa and any really anybody who knows me, um, I, I've been a, a huge patient advocate. So um, I tend to tailor my circle of specialists that I use that um, um, that we have a good relationship and we have respect for each other, and that. Um, that I know that they know that when I send them somebody, it's because I've not been able to 
figure it out myself and that that I'm I'm asking for help and, and they realize that. So because that's my philosophy and has been since I started into practice, getting getting Vanessa into the right hands wasn't as difficult. I think if I had not have made that my mantra and made it very important to know who I was referring people to, it may have been a little bit difficult. That having been said, still, um, um, there, even with some of those people that, um, that, that I have good working relationships with, there sometimes would be seeds of doubt, um, uh, on their end. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think the fact that I was a physician or have, am a physician has helped. And in fact, they uh, oftentimes um, would, if it wasn't something that they wanted to take care of, like rheumatology used to be um, the specialty of choice for fibromyalgia. Well, kind of like in other diagnoses, like irritable bowel, GI doesn't really take your care of irritable bowel. It's more of a primary care thing now, just like fibromyalgia isn't something that rheumatologists typically treat regularly. They leave it back into the family physicians or primary care physicians' hands. And a lot and a lot just don't want to deal with it. Um, so they would send these patients to me. And, and I became known as somebody who not only was qualified to do it, but genuinely cared about uh, treatment. So in, in having uh, treated so many, I ended up it's been a long time ago, but I had a, a symposium in town where um, where we live specifically for fibromyalgia, and it became well attended. I got some speakers from out of the area that, that had dealt with it, uh, people in places of celebrity or society that were dealing with it, and it came in and spoke, and it went over very, very, you know, very, very well. And so, it's been um, something that I that's really near and dear to me because I fully believe through what Vanessa's gone through about how how bad this can be. And you know, I've been about patient awareness and talking to families. I can't tell you the number of times that um, there's just no family support because some of it's un- some of it is not enough understanding, and some of it is. It's it's too much of, of a hassle or an interruption for them to want to. I've seen it break up families. Um, I've seen it break up marriages, and and so it's if they have nowhere to go, they always know and know that they can come to me. So I hope that answers the question. And Vanessa, I'm really curious about your experience, and I'm sorry to hear that you have been dealing with this difficult illness for such a long time, what have you found over the years that has helped you and to really delve in a little bit about fibromyalgia specifically, has it impacted your health to have a physician in your family? How have you been able to cope with all of the constrictions that, that affect you around the illness? I think having having a physician helping me and as my husband is definitely um, 
you know, the understanding, like I can go to bed at night feeling absolutely wonderful. I could have have a very high productive day, go to bed the next day. I'm just leveled, leveled with fatigue, leveled with pain. And for me, the weather is a huge thing. The, the weather pretty much dictates it all. And it's hard for people to believe that. Like, oh, I can predict the weather with my body. Lots of folks just don't believe that. And it, it's breaking through that stigma of, look at me, I'm a human being, I have this illness, I, I don't want it to define me. So please know that when I am not at 100%, I'm not choosing to be less than 100%. And it's, I just don't have the capacity at that point in time. But when I start feeling better again, then I'll be back to me when I'm not experiencing symptoms. And she, she's done very well. I mean, she's better now, um, I think, than she ever has been. What has improved for you? Anything that you can tie to that improvement that you might advise others? Well, of course, medications. (laughs) Medications that I take um, definitely have been life-giving. I say they are life-giving. Um, without them, I would probably spend days on the couch, not moving. Have you been uh, watching the progress in the emotional awareness and expression therapy segment? Um, we had a guest on previously, Dr. Howard Schubiner, who is well known for a documentary called This Might Hurt, where He is working with people with chronic pain and some of them did have fibromyalgia and some of them had other diagnoses Mm -hmm. using emotional awareness and expression therapy, helping to retrain the brain to deal with chronic pain. That was episode 180. Okay. I interested. We can link to that in the show notes as well, but I'm curious if that is something that might've come onto your radar. You know what? I did a lot of things naturally that now have a name. Does that make sense? So I was like, I did a lot of visualization when visualization wasn't a thing. For example, when I'm in extreme excruciating pain, I can hardly think straight because the pain has just, it's just taken over me. So what, what I do is I just get very quiet And I pretend like I'm breathing the pain out and I'm actually breathing it out. And pretty much that and just having his support by me, just being there, knowing that I'm not alone and I can become very fearful at that time because, of course, I'm sure I'm, I'm working with my reptile brain, right? I'm totally not on board because the pain is incapacitating. And thankfully, that only happens a couple of times a year now. But it's it's just breathing through that and working on just getting as relaxed as possible and working to get that breath out. And when I get the breath out, I'm breathing out the pain and I'm breathing in goodness and breathing out the pain. And the, for me, you know, we're, we're trained as physicians and I've said this often, and I'm guilty of it. Um, we're trained to be fixers. And a lot of times, uh, Vanessa doesn't need 
to be fixed. I need to be there as a, a not only as a physician and a husband, but somebody that's just gonna that's gonna be a support system, somebody that's gonna listen, somebody that's gonna let her vent and listen to what she has to say and not necessarily say anything to say, right. oh, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Or why don't you take this? Or why don't you take that? Because yes. that tends to sometimes, I mean, like for she, when she's in really bad pain, <laughs> I'll say, honey, I said, why don't you, why don't you go up? We used to have a, a spa tub um, in jacuzzi, can work very, very well. Now we have a soaking tub and I'd say, honey, why don't we just go upstairs? You know, uh, you can get in the tub. We'll put some really, really hot water. I'll put some salts in there. And most of the time is, no, please just be here with me. Um, I, I can't do that right now. I'm not in that headspace. To but be able to do that. To and think about walking upstairs and going through that physical motion, I, I it's so hard for me to explain. And, but it's like I I can't move right now. Just, just, and, and I'm like I'm sitting there watching this. Yeah, you know, oftentimes she's in tears, mm-hmm. and I'm frustrated because I can't do anything. Again, it's that I want to fix it, and so I just have to be patient and just be there to do what she wants me to do, not necessarily what I want her to do. That's really important. That's a really important insight. And the other thing that makes me think about is how stressed or stretched for time we are often as physicians and often as everybody in this society at large. And when you have something like this that you're dealing with where all of a sudden whatever you had planned for that day you oh. can't do so now all of that is off the list for getting done today yes. and i'm i'm curious if this has made you guys go back and find or maybe you did this from the beginning to find a different way to manage your time has this impacted how you spend your time well um you bring up something very, very important. There'd be so many times we'd have something planned, you know, with friends. What that wasn't necessarily a, a a big event. Sometimes it would just be going over to visit, and and I she would say to me, "Honey, do you mind if we don't go?" And I would be some, you know, a lot of times I would have had a rough day, a rough week, and I'm really looking forward to this. And then it, she says it, and I'm, you know, it, it was sometimes it was really difficult, but I always kept in mind she's not doing this to garner sympathy. She's not doing this because um, she enjoys this happening. She's doing this because she doesn't want to be a drag, not only on me, but affecting the the time that everybody else is having. So our really close friends are very aware and and are very not only sympathetic, but empathetic to times when they're going to get a last minute call and say, we just can't make it over. Vanessa's not feeling good. Um, And the other thing I would say, Jen, is our kids. 
That's one of the biggest things that we've been able to give them is we've not been hiding this from them, and we haven't. I mean, I can remember because they're all pretty much grown now, but when they were young saying, what's wrong with mommy? What, what What's the matter? And so I would, um, without getting into specifics that they wouldn't understand, I would say, you know, mommy's just not feeling good. The, you know, the weather makes her makes her feel blue sometimes and and she hurts, but she'll be OK. We just may need to um, um, do a little bit more today to help her out. So she's not going to be able to read your story tonight. So daddy's going to read your story or mommy's not going to cook. Daddy's going to cook. And we kept them in the loop with everything. And so now one one of our daughters is a is a clinical psychologist and she she knows about this and, and it has made her I, I think a better clinician as a result of it. And the other two the same way. They would see Vanessa on the couch and they knew it was a bad day and it was like, okay, um something that they may had had planned. They would stop and they, they, this is a day that we have to be there for mom. So it was a, a family experience yeah. for all of us. And, and on those days where the kids had to do much, she was just, um, you know, beside herself because she felt so bad that that had to be the case. So okay. that was another time where I had to be there and say, honey, they understand. They understand that you don't feel well and they, this is this is good experience for them to know that when things aren't good as a family, you stick together and it's born a lot of fruit. Yeah. I'll tell you more than you could ever imagine. Has long COVID shed any insight for you on how to manage this illness? Has the research that has gone into that and the interest in finding ways to manage that impacted patients with fibromyalgia in any way? Actually, you know, the, um, the long COVID, there's a lot of similarities. Um, there's a lot of overlap. Um, you know, there, there's, there's like this big syndrome and there's, uh, I would say like almost like a Venn diagram, you know, there's similarities of several things, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, uh, chronic myofascial pain syndrome, long COVID. There, there's similarities, yet they're their own distinct entities. So stuff that had been been going on for years as far as treatment, I, not a whole lot different because uh, things had, I was familiar with those things from long before COVID even started. Mm-hmm. So it's more that treatment of fibromyalgia, for example, has helped to impact and improve treatment for long COVID rather than the reverse. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's correct. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just beginning to share this story with us. I know we have only scratched the, the surface and there's so much more here, but your insights are really important. And, and hopefully listeners who are dealing with some similar illness in themselves or their family members can relate to your experience. And maybe if they're at the beginning of this journey, they can see hope. Yes. Um, and I'm curious if you have any anything else that you would like to add in terms of 
finding hope because it seems that you guys have really, you are from everything I know from all of our conversations with each other, you're living rich lives and you have a wonderful close family. So what, what would you recommend in terms of, or what insights would you have in terms of keeping your eye on, on hope and finding a way to your own path for success? You know what, you know what, Jen, I mean, I really appreciate you saying that, Uh, but we also look at things relatively. We know so many people uh, and that's why this talk is so topical because we know so many people where a husband or a, a wife, a partner is dealing with an illness that is equally frustrating, but much more severe, uh, dealing with cancer or, you know, a, 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 a rheumatological issue. And so um, we count our blessings in, in that way, but it's so important uh, for physicians, I would say that that have a spouse that are dealing with this, un- understand that in dealing with this, they need as difficult as it may seem and as difficult as your life may be, part of having a strong marriage um, is understanding that it's for better or for worse for sickness and in health, even if that sickness Maybe for a while, it's it's why you got together, and and it's something I think that in the craziness of of um, of our lives, we could kind of get away from. What do you want to say, honey? Yeah, gratitude definitely helps me out a lot, and just the the hope and faith in the medical system, right? That every year that goes by, you know, there's always new research that's being done, medications that come to market that are going to be better. I'm well, well managed right now. And it's been actually for a long time that I've been so well managed. And um, it's because of the new meds coming to market. So just having hope in that, hope in my relationship with him, knowing that I'm not going through this alone. yeah, those are never have, never will. No, yeah. And if someone was to reach out to you to find out more information or to continue this conversation with you, what would be the best way for them to reach you? The best way to reach us is through our website at www.bestfriendsagain.com or just reach out to us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. We are here willing to. I'll be happy to talk to anyone that is struggling with this. Thank you so much, Dr. George, Dr. Jeep, Nam, and Vanessa Nam. Thank you for joining me again for this conversation. I really appreciate you uh, and your willingness to talk about something that's so personal on the air, because I think that's so important for us to be having these conversations so that people can feel less isolated If you're listening and you are alone, we are all here to support you. So you may feel alone, but, but just reach out because, because we're here for you. So thank you again. And I look forward to our next conversation. It's always a pleasure, Jen. Thank you so much. So great to spend time with you. Likewise.
As a practicing board-certified physician, I know firsthand that time is our most precious commodity. I also know I wouldn't be where I am today without the support of coaching. At Doc Working, we can help because we deliver meaningful, confidential, affordable, and scalable well-being support. In order to do that, we've brought together a team of expert coaches and a 24-7 care line staffed by experienced therapists and counselors available around the clock, 365 days a year. We take pride in answering your calls with a person, not a recording. We provide success coaching designed to take minimal time, and we deliver it straight to your inbox every single week. This is not just for doctors. This is for everyone on your team. Having access to the Doc Working Thrive Wellbeing Portal is like a lifeline in your back pocket that you can call anytime, supporting you to chart the course to success and fulfillment on your own terms as only you can define for yourself. Our team is already helping over 80,000 healthcare professionals. We're here to help you and your team too. Please go to docworking.com and join our community today or click below in the show notes to join us. Thank you so much again for being here with us for Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.